Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Nuck If You Buck. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Daily Thunder, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus our coaching-focused podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nuck If You Buck, hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoop Heads, as always. Today, I'm coming at you solo, but we have the turbulent Game 1 and games uh, 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals series to cover. You know, I'm sure many listeners out there have heard have heard the mantra, never trust the Bucks, and typically, I don't subscribe to that. I like to be more of an optimistic um, observer of the Bucks, I don't want to lean into my, um, you know, the small market syndrome that I had quoted before of small markets getting down on themselves when, when really there are, when really there's a lot more, uh, to us out there besides the, uh, New York's and the LA's. Um, so in that sense, I don't really like the saying, never trust the Bucks cause it's largely negative, but really it, seems to be um, incredibly accurate um, for good or for bad in this postseason, as the Bucks have proved to start out this Eastern Conference Finals series. Um, I know Bucks fans were, if anything, myself included, a little overly optimistic headed into the series. Uh, you know, perhaps slightly counting out the Hawks, um, given the fact that... Um, you know, I feel I feel like a lot of people are really have really been dragging Ben Simmons um, since the Hawks overcame the Sixers. Of course, there's the famous play of Ben Simmons not not slamming home an open dunk, which maybe we can get into a little bit of the Ben Simmons talk uh, time dependent later on in the show. But really, also credit to the Hawks for. Um, for pulling out game one here, and of course, Trey Young with the impressive and eerily familiar to the Kevin Durant stat lines from the previous um, series, a 
48.7 rebound and 11 assists night for Trey Young in game one as they survived the Milwaukee Bucks uh, 113 to 116 in game one. I suppose I'll jump right into uh, right into the game notes here. Starters for the Bucks were uh, Drew, Chris, Giannis, PJ, and Brooke. And for the Hawks, they had Trey, Bogdan, Kevin Huerta, uh, John Collins, and Clint Capella. I know Bucks fans may have, maybe were wondering whether or not this would be a series for uh, for PJ Tucker. The PJ Tucker to start in compared to the Nets series, uh, of course, not the same uh, type of elite wing talent on the Hawks compared to the Nets. They don't have Kevin Durant, <laughs> obviously. So I know even even myself, I was wondering if this would maybe be a Pat Connaughton to start uh, kind of series. Um, however, I think it checks out to have PJ Tucker. I could see it working either way, but I definitely uh, don't mind at all having uh, PJ out there to start out. Um, I'd say on paper, this is our best defensive unit, dependent on the matchup. Game one would say that this isn't a great Brook Lopez matchup, but also given the loss of Dante, I think having Pat still come off the bench and uh, not exasperate our issues in uh backcourt depth. Um, I think that bodes well for having PJ start here. Um, early on, Trey Young knocked down multiple floaters um, right away as, as Bucks were fearing with our uh, um, with our intense uh, drop defense there. Trey was was eating that alive in in uh, game one. Um and there's even a point where I noticed that Brooke Lopez was was looking away for his man as he's as the reason he's dropping so much even against Trey Young is that uh, that the Hawks definitely have some of the best lob threats in the league as well and Clint Capella and John Collins on their side and of course a wonderful quarterback in Trey Young who can find them um, and yeah that's just a recipe for 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 disaster once you get Brooke Lopez and drop coverage however it worked out. Uh, much better in game two, which we'll definitely get to um, with uh, not so surprisingly little adjustments between game one and game two besides the increased intensity. Um, also of note here in this series is that Bogdan Bogdanovich is uh, clearly fighting through uh, a knee injury. I I can't say for sure uh whether or not he actually missed game action earlier in these playoffs or not, my inclination is that he did, but I uh, might as well uh, come clean now that I I think I only watched literally one half of, of Hawks action this postseason. I might have clicked into a little bit of Hawks-Knicks, but even... But even uh, Sixers-Hawks, I only watched, I think it was the second half of Game 6. Um, so that's a testament to um, how many of us uh, maybe counted out with these Hawks. So, uh, But in this game, Bogdan Bogdanovich clearly wasn't getting, wasn't getting the same lift off of, off of his jump shots. And he was, um, especially when, he, when he, you saw him going to the bench at times, he's clearly... 
clearly walking with a pronounced limp. Um, to close the first quarter in Game 1, Drew Holiday had one of his two huge left-handed slams uh, to close the to close the first. It was odd that I was listening to uh, No Dunks, no Dunks podcast, of course, one of my uh, one of my favorite shows out there, and they seemed shocked that 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 Drew's that Drew's dunks were lefty dunks. Um, but I think I think if you watch if you watched every single Bucks game or yeah Bucks game like myself this year. Um, you'll you'll have seen uh, how much Drew seems to at times even favor his left his left hand, even though um, he shoots with his right. After the first quarter, the Bucks led uh, twenty eight to twenty five. Giannis with eight points, six rebounds, and two assists. Trey Young with twelve points, four rebounds, and two assists. Um, start the second. I thought the Bucks were attacking the basket pretty well. And get, getting deep in the paint for good looks, uh, of course. Um, uh, Giannis definitely was on the receiving end of a lot of those good looks, of course. Bucks fans, uh, despite the disappointing outcome in this, they got they got a lot of excitement out of Giannis with with all of his uh, lob finishes. Um, but this is also the point in the game where we where we got to see way too much of of Jeff Teague especially guarding uh, Trey Young and Jeff Teague went under uh, went under a couple Trey Young uh, screens and at least one of those ended up with one of Trey Young's threes and then there's there's a lot of pushback against the Milwaukee Bucks for um, for Mike Boonholzer um, rushing to get Drew Holiday back in the game when he saw that that Trey was uh, when he saw that that Trey was on fire here. However, um, many noted that even even when Drew came back in, he was he wasn't even the primary defender uh, on Trey, which is quite puzzling. I don't remember, um, you know, I don't have a photographic memory, so I don't uh, quite remember whether or not um, on some of those possessions that. Uh, if Drew actually did start out on Trey Young, but then Trey was still targeting, um, was still targeting um, Jeff Teague uh, in screen, Jeff Teague in the pick and roll, having having Jeff Teague's man set a pick and force the Bucks to switch. But I think, given the amount of press that this has gotten with Teague on Trey, even with Drew back in the game, that um, you know. That perhaps for whatever reason, because Bud's Bud's been one of the most inexplicable coaches in the league. Um, of course, we wouldn't be shocked if that was for some reason Bud's idea uh, from the get go. And um, yeah, that rough second uh, quarter also included a seventeen to seven Hawks run from the eight to the four minute mark. Um, in that second quarter, but at half the Bucks uh, still held on uh, 59 to 54 at half. Drew Holiday with 16 points, two rebounds, and five assists to Trey Young's 25 points already at half with four rebounds, uh, four assists. Um, now uh, Trey did get whistled for his third foul early in the third quarter here, uh, but he did end up tying it. Um, at 67 after uh, a couple back back-to-back baskets there to 
you know, to keep the Hawks chugging along. For his squad, Trey Young still carving up, still carving up our drop coverage there um, with Brooks still in the game, and uh, I thought the momentum really switched in this game when Giannis was called for his first charge, and if it wasn't if it wasn't obvious then, um, from that point on especially it seemed um, it seemed that the that the Hawks really really. Uh, had a lot more intensity than the Bucks. Um, you know, I, I wonder if sometimes when Giannis gets called for an offensive foul, sometimes it, it seems like he's it seems like he's walking on on, egg, on eggshells a bit, not not attacking with the same intensity, afraid that he's going to get called for another offensive foul, and then uh, that that can lead to uh, to isolation isolation jumpers, passing passing out of shots and uh, turnovers, of course. Um, However, Drew, Drew continued to be a steady presence um, offensively for the Bucks. He really filled in while Chris Middleton was struggling. Chris ended up only shooting um, just slightly above 25% from the field, uh, 6 of 23 overall at the end of this game. Uh, but but yeah, at, le- at least we had Drew fill in on the, on the offensive end, but uh, Drew also... Um, was put, was put on the, the Trey Young highlight reel as Trey's also famous for um, for faking out defenders by 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 uh, by rejecting the screen, which which uh, ended up with Trey Young wide open, and we got the famous uh, Trey Young shiver. I've heard it called. Also, credit to the No Dunks podcast on that, because it's not quite the same Steph Curry shimmy. Uh, since he had the ball in his hands, he didn't have that capacity. So it was more of a shiver, I would say, is more accurate from Trey Young before Bobby Portis finally uh, stepped up to to contest uh, Trey's shot with little avail, uh, with no avail. Pardon me. Um, but we did see Giannis get pretty fired up uh, in the timeout after Trey's shiver. You can see Giannis imitating that as he's as he's uh, as um, you know, you you would hope you would hope in a constructive manner, but trying to fi- uh, trying to fire up his teammates, um, and then I thought I thought the Bucks w- uh, woke up a little bit there, but um, still a rough stretch there in the third quarter. As uh, going into the fourth, the Hawks took the lead, uh, uh, eighty-five to eighty-eight. Uh, Drew Holiday twenty-six points, uh, three rebounds, six assists, but Trey already with thirty-seven points, uh, five rebounds, and eight assists. There's another crazy moment moment in this game that showed that it, it just wasn't quite the Bucks night when um when Sol- Solomon Hill stepped in, not known as much for his offensive prowess, but someone uh someone that the Hawks uh desperately need uh on the other end of the court to try to slow down uh Giannis and uh Chris. He's definitely their best wing defender, but he he somehow snuck around Drew um and took him off the dribble and, and slammed it home. Uh, definitely not not the kind of play you, you would see from from Hill uh, normally. But Drew did respond by sinking a bank shot uh, on the next offensive possession. And then uh, yeah, the fourth the fourth quarter wasn't didn't get any prettier for the Bucks despite uh, despite Giannis being upset in that timeout late in the third and and trying to uh, to motivate his guys. Uh, Giannis did have a couple turnovers um, that turned into Capella dunks. 
Um, that sequence happened uh, twice in short order in the fourth quarter. Um, and Chris did uh, eventually step up and drain uh, a couple baskets in a row uh, to tie it at, at, at 96 in the fourth. Uh, but still, still uh, at that point, he had started out uh, four of 17 from the field. So, um, you know, we, we expect a lot more from Chris, from Chris Middleton. But um, if we're being honest, the, the skepticism that um, that Chris receives across the league as to whether or not he's a true um, a true second option, us in Milwaukee can can uh, laugh at that all we want. But but there is some merit to it given his given his inconsistency. Uh, of course, of course, he has the capacity to to score thirty eight points in a playoff game like he did last series against the Nets. But uh, he can also shoot. Uh, he can also make only a quarter of his shots um, against, say, a far inferior team like like uh, like the Atlanta Hawks on on his own uh, home floor. So, but yeah, luck, luckily that's partially what we have Drew Holiday uh, for as well to fill in those gaps, which he did. Um, and then, of course, we did not have those same concerns in the next game, so we won't belabor that point um, anymore. Uh, and later on in the fourth, Bud uh, did call a timeout, and I thought that I thought that the Bucks came came out of that, and um, that that's when uh, they seem to go to they seem to go back to uh, Giannis pick and rolls, but Giannis is the screener uh, rolling and getting a, getting at least two to three two to three lobs in um, you know in a short span late in the fourth. Um, but still, I know many Bucks fans out there were were left wondering why why we didn't spam that play uh, even more throughout the game, and especially um, especially later on, especially um, as we were give as we were giving up uh, the same um, we were we were we were giving up, up just as many uh, possessions uh, to the to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, as the Hawks were grabbing plenty of offensive boards, and since uh, Bud decided, and rightfully so, that this that this wasn't really uh, Brooks' game, as he just kept on getting killed by Trey Young in the pick and roll. So um, the lineup for most, if not all, of the fourth quarter for the Bucks was uh, was Drew, Chris, Drew, or yeah, Drew, Pat, Chris, uh, uh, Giannis, and PJ. Uh, at the center, depending on um, where you would slot Giannis, um, many would call that a Giannis at center lineup. But that, but that also just could, couldn't really hang on the boards with Colin and Capella in that game. Um, so yeah, that, that that's really what killed us, and that's what Bucks fans uh, will remember. Um, pr- that'll probably be their biggest takeaway from this game, uh, if not this last play here, where uh, Bud calls a timeout. The Bucks were only down by one point, and um, even though Pat gets a good look out of it, um, it, it was really you. You would hope you would hope that Bud had drawn something else up, and and the way the defense was set up, it just didn't afford for the Bucks look they had wanted. Because it's you know the the models never trust the Bucks, but really maybe it should be never trust Bud because um, really he's. He hasn't quite earned the ben- the benefit of the doubt from Bucks fans, so 
who's to say he didn't he didn't plan for this all all along and that was Chris Middleton catching it um uh catching catching the ball in the in the uh left hand corner with with uh really nowhere to go from there he was able he was able to beat his man off the dribble but then it was of course met by met by the Hawks bigs and uh Collins and or Capella so he ended up kicking it out to Pat Connaughton with a pretty with a pretty good look but considering that the Bucks only needed one point, you maybe could could have ran something, uh, if not if not the same as as a uh, Giannis uh, screen and roll, something similar, or maybe something from the other side side of the court to uh, be a little less predictable in the most important action of the game. But um, yeah, even though it was a fine three point look, uh, Still, probably not the shot that, that you would have wanted there, considering that that you only needed you only needed a two point bucket to take the lead, and uh, the Bucks still had had some hope to hold on to there as uh, as after we of course had to intentionally foul Trey Young, he hits both of his free throw attempts, but uh, surprisingly Giannis does just the same and hits both of his free throws as well. Um, of course, the NBA would announce ahead of game two that the last two minute report would, would reveal that Giannis should have been called for a 10 second violation for both of those free throws. But nevertheless, he sunk both of those. We know, we know that that's not the kind, the kind of whistle that the refs want to blow, um, considering that they don't want to, um, Steve, Steve Javi of all people, um, share with the broadcast on, uh, early in the playoffs when Giannis was whistled for a 10 second call that, that the refs don't want to call it because, because they, you know, um, they they they'd rather they'd rather call it when it's when it's definitively at like twelve or thirteen seconds as opposed to trying to call it immediately um, at the millisecond when it turns to ten seconds for fear that you might actually whistle him when he when he gets it um, when he gets it off in uh, eight to nine seconds so. You know that that all makes sense to me. I'm clearly biased, and uh, you know, it's also it's frustrating for for Bucks fans because it seems pretty asinine to 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 build a routine when you clearly have a mental block with your shot, and to build a routine to help that. Um, but if, but at the same time, have that routine, um, you know, be illegal is. Seems pretty foolish, but at the same time, in Game Two, uh, Bucks fans might have also noticed that Giannis did speed up his routine a little bit in Game Two after the uh, last two-minute report from the NBA. So that must have got gotten uh, that must have gotten some notice from uh, Giannis there, because you'd think you'd think that was sort of a warning to to the Bucks, saying like, "Hey, we're prepared to call it." So adjust, and that Giannis did. Um, to close out this game two here, um, Chris did have a chance to tie it, um, from, from beyond the three point arc, but Chris did miss the jumper and the Hawks pulled away 116 to 113. Um, some last thoughts on this one was that, uh, I was pretty conflicted on how to feel. Um, in a way it's almost more comforting, um, when the Bucks do clearly make some big inexcusable mistakes because it, it's it's easy to point out exactly what they need to do to to win the next game 
after the Hawks steal home court advantage there, but I didn't think I didn't think the Bucks really did too much to shoot themselves in the foot as they usually do here. Um, I think it's understandable to go small uh, after they get killed repeatedly by Brook Lopez, uh, by Brook Lopez defending Trey Young in the pick and roll. Um, but yeah, you do have to accept the fact that you're going to give up a ton of uh, offensive rebounds without Brook on the court. Um, now, of course, Brooke doesn't tally a ton of rebounds himself, but he's a, he's a big body there, and he boxes out, and he allows Giannis to be to be one of the league leaders in rebounds. And without that, um, yeah, you miss a lot, obviously, with a guy like that off the court. Brooks' teams have always rebounded well, despite his own numbers, um, going back to his days in Brooklyn. But, yeah, maybe that's just a sign that Giannis has to be better. But, yeah, I would say just the most egregious... Uh, mistake in this one were the were the Jeff Teague minutes early, but you know at the same time that was only so many possessions that it felt like the Bucks were hurt by. So I was kind of nervous for Game Two, honestly, because there weren't a ton of things to point out uh, for the Bucks to change. And if there isn't a lot to change, then how much will the outcome change? Well, thankfully, I was very wrong in that aspect, as many could possibly argue with my point there. Um, I don't know. Many, many could possibly argue that, that, uh, <laughs> that maybe you should, uh, not be so pessimistic if, uh, you know, how can you be pessimistic if you don't really have any complaints about your team's execution? And that's point is well taken. And thankfully, um, game two was, um, uh, quite the antithesis to game one. And before I get into that action, I would like to share a word um, from our new sponsor in Manscaped. Support for Nuck If You Buck is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping when you use the code Giannis. That's G-I-A-N-N-I-S at manscaped.com. Imagine having, um, having a shaving experience with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the new the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. Uh, the craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. Now, I, like, like every brave soldier, have endured more battle wounds than I'd like to admit. In addition, while using a convention, conventional razor, I was putting myself in harm's way more often than, than necessary and subjecting myself to way too much cleanup. Now with Manscaped, I can use their waterproof lawnmower 4.0 in the shower, allowing me to have a more effective shave more often with less hassle. Um, I know I'm not alone in, in this. In um, men possibly putting off, uh, feeling their best, and taking care of themselves, um, you know, putting putting that off uh, just for a special occasion, uh, just due to the amount of time and. Uh, risk of injury there is in uh, taking care of your below-the-belt grooming. However, um, 
with Manscaped, I, I think I think that's really uh, the big win out of it. Is it just you know it it just makes it just makes that part of your self care routine so much easier. Manscaped has engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience with their fourth generation trimmer features. Uh, a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming ac- accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Now I feel confident when shaving my boys. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. Did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Men... If men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, <laughs> you've been doing it all wrong. That's just disgusting, guys. We can do much better than that. So it's time for you to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth boys. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with code Giannis at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. With free shipping at manscaped.com, when you use the code Giannis, that's G-I-A-N-N-I-S, to unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for your family jewels with Manscaped. All right. Obligatory coffee and water break, y'all. Give me a break. Now, another talking point this past week, um, it's quite unfortunate, and I'm not really referring to the loss anymore, because thankful, thankfully we'll have a lot more buck success to get to shortly, but, you know, i just like to share my thoughts on first takes feedback to being a little less enthused about the chance of visiting, um... You know, one of the four uh, possible destinations that there are now with the four teams in the respective uh, conference finals. You know, right now we have remaining. Basically, first take was not excited about having to visit any of these cities. When you look at the cities, it's quite confusing because you have what? Well, one, Los Angeles and Atlanta and Phoenix. And then, of course, Milwaukee. Um Milwaukee definitely stands out there as the other three cities are are within the top 11 most populous cities in the United States uh, from a source of mine that I'm completely forgetting and maybe unreliable. Uh, but that same source sticks Milwaukee uh, at around number the th- number 34 spot, same amount of points that they won by in game two Friday night, uh, ironically. Um However, yeah, it's just really disappointing from first take, but I would just like to remind everybody out there that first take is really a complete and utter joke. They're famous uh, for their hot takes and um, for their clickbait media. And yeah, really, there's there's no reason to, um, you know, feel down at all about the city for what these guys have said because um, they're the definitions of sellouts and they've made money off of people making fun of them for 
at least a decade now, ever since I can remember watching sports. And, uh, yeah, no reason to respect this opinion at all if, uh, you know, no, nobody's been respecting any of their content, uh, you know, as far as I can remember uh, watching sports. But still just super lame. And, yeah, I don't really have any more in-depth analysis than that. I'm wondering if it's even a mistake to bring it up because I feel like I should have shrugged it off um, more than I did, clearly. But it was also... Um, there was also a wel- welcome response from Peter Fagan, um, one of the Bucks' presidents, saying that that he doubts that they've really ever ever visited Milwaukee based on their claims, um, and that he he would love to show show uh, the first take guys around Milwaukee himself. Um, there was even an off season episode I remember. Um, has to be at least a year, more likely two back with uh, Zach Lowe and Brian Winhurst ranking uh, NBA cities, and the and Milwaukee was actually ranked quite high um, for those guys to visit due to um, its accessibility to the downtown from from the airport. I never thought about that really, but I guess compared to other cities, Milwaukee is um, pretty easy to travel around. Um, of course, taking into account the fact, the obvious, that we're not as big as like a Chicago, so that definitely helps. Um, but um, of course, of course, the breweries are all famous, and I'm sure that's that's probably the first thing uh, visitors would would come to think about when visiting Milwaukee. But but uh, Zach Lowe and Winhurst were also discussing. Um, at the time, the amazing food scene in Milwaukee, and of course, everybody brings brings up cops and 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 other iconic places like that that they always make sure to visit when they come here. So, shout out Milwaukee, screw first take, um, and yeah, with all that I ought to get back into the basketball action here. Now, it was a quite an interesting turn of events. Um, I know most Bucks listeners will probably remember uh, our uh, our most recent game two experience before Friday, and that was game two against the Nets when we had um, a similar outing uh, compared to Friday night. Uh, however, we were on the other side of it, um, and. Thankfully, we were, as this was a must-win, as Bucks absolutely bury the Atlanta Hawks in Game 2, forcing Trey Young to commit nine turnovers in a 125-91 Bucks victory. Bucks had their usual starters out there, and uh, same went for the Hawks with their uh, their same starters. Um, early on, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich was assessed with his second foul with... Um, not even two minutes in the game, which bode well for the Bucks. However, um, the same went for uh, Chris Middleton. However, he got a little more time out there, not earning his second foul uh, until a, a little before the six-minute mark. Uh, Chris, I'd say definitely more important to the Bucks' success there. So maybe it balances out a little bit there, but um, 
nevertheless, of course, um, you know, we we didn't we didn't need a compl- we didn't we didn't need Chris to completely reinvent the wheel here compared to his game one performance as we got contributions from literally um, all down the roster in this one. Um, ironically, Drew Holiday had kind of a rough start to begin with. He missed back-to-back free throw attempts at his first trip to the line. He had a really bad turnover um, um, that ended up with Trey Young uh, intercepting an inbound pass and he uh, started only one of four from the field, and uh, that one, f- the first field goal made was was a wide open layup. Um, but but Drew would uh, completely turn that around along with the rest of the Bucks um, as they continue to increase their their intensity throughout this game, and a lot of that was was led by Drew Holiday's um, tenacious defense against uh, Trey Young as well, which we'll get into. But um, Chris Middleton closed the, the first quarter after returning with uh, two fouls by getting his own 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 miss and uh, getting a put back. Closed the first 34-28 bucks. Giannis with nine points, five rebounds, and three assists, and Gallinari also with nine points. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned, the Bucks continue to hit on all cylinders, uh, including matching their their own three-point tally of eight threes um, from game one. They matched um, that eight three-pointers made with only at just the 10-minute mark in the second quarter. Um, Bucks um, also started a 26-8 to run from the 10-minute to the three-minute mark uh, in the second quarter. Um, and that... That began with Trey Young still off of the floor. I something that stood out to me that was that the Hawks went four straight minutes without Trey Young, um, and with uh, Lou Williams running their offense. And uh, yeah, especially when when the Bucks were really uh, starting to gain even more moment uh, momentum, it was pretty pretty confusing that Nate had. Had Young out for so long in the second quarter, um, as uh, it was obviously a little too late. When when Trey did return and when he did, it did not go well from there either. Um, late in the second quarter, Trey Young had already tallied seven turnovers to go along with only ten points, um, and uh, yeah, he fin- he. He uh, finished the half with only 13 points and two assists to Drew Holiday's 19 points and four assists as the Bucks uh, held a season-high 43-point lead at halftime. Uh, let's see, or a 42-point uh, lead as the Bucks were up 77-45 to at half. Uh, also of note is that uh, the Hawks did get Cam Reddish back in this game. I believe Cam Reddish has been on an extended absence, and uh, yeah, of course. Even though we're we're gonna keep piling on the Hawks here as we continue on with the game action, um, <laughs> um, yeah, no. If uh, if Cam Reddish can can uh, get back to his 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 usual form, he can uh, he he might be a real problem uh, for the Bucks as he's just going to add to. Uh, Add to the Hawks' uh, wing depth that um, is really what makes them 
a really a really tough matchup, um, obviously for the 76s, but but also for the Bucks. Um, you know, the Hawks were really deserve a lot of praise for the way they're built by Travis Schlenk and having um, you know the epitome of of, of a of a lineup built for the modern NBA. And that of course um, has a lot to do with their wing depth there. And uh, Cam Reddish is a part of that. And um, yeah, and I mean, I mean, in addition to his skill set, he's also, uh, he's definitely a two way guy out there, out there as well. Um, definitely a guy known to muck it up and uh, force a few turnovers um, against his opponent. Um with his long wingspan and quickness, um, yeah, I remember he got a lot of praise for that in his rookie year. But yeah, pardon me, I had a long pause there earlier, um, <laughs> and it was because I realized my math did not check out at all. Um, with the halftime score, Bucks led seventy-seven to forty-five. Um, that was only, that's only a thirty-two point um, uh, deficit for the Hawks at half. However, the Season high forty point forty three points was the um, that was the scoring total that the Bucks had in just the second quarter forty three points that's the most the Bucks have scored um, all season in a single quarter so <laughs> please allow me that one correction here moving into the second half now you all know that I do have a pretty strict uh, thirty ball rule that I do slow down with my game notes. Uh, Although I, I obviously am not going to turn off in any playoff back basketball action this late in the season, um, nor at all in the playoffs, maybe in the regular season, uh, given that we have uh, 72 or 82 opportunities in a normal season um, for games like this, but um, I'd rather watch regular season games, but. Yeah, I would say I still had to note my favorite point of this of this game was Brooke Lopez forcing a shot clock violation on Trey Young as he was on an island uh, against Young, wa- wave, waving his hands all around. Um, and uh, Trey, I don't even know if he got a shot a shot off on this one, and that's just um, yeah. I just had to give that shout out to Brooke. It's uh, um, yeah, huge testament to his defensive prowess um, out there, and uh, and yeah, credit to him for um, always uh, always being a positive surprise for the Bucks as as uh, as uh, Brooke does always always look a little more look a little more spry out there defending that you you would think given the fact that he's clearly uh, a solid two hundred seventy pounds uh, seven footer out there, but. But he showed here that that he can still he, that he can still move his move his feet, and he's a really crafty defender. Um, just usually Trey Young is pretty tough to to defend in pick and rolls, but this just wasn't uh, Trey Young's night. Um, Trey did have a lot of criticism for for the refs conveniently in this one. Um, I would say more so indirect criticism, but I was reading I was reading plenty of articles uh, leading up to this recording, and. Um, each one of them had multiple quotes from him to the effect that um, that the refs allow the Bucks to play um, especially physical in this one, uh, boohoo, and that. But also to Trey's credit, he did say that he takes uh, full responsibility for this loss and pr- and promises his 
his fans and teammates that he will be better going forward. Uh, for their sake, I certainly hope so. Um, but, of course, the refs can't be completely to blame for uh, for this embarrassing loss for the Hawks. Um, another another fun moment here was uh, was Bud having an all time petty moment, and that was challenging challenging an illegal screen call assessed on Pat Connaughton that took place with just around six minutes left in the third quarter at. at at uh, such point, the Bucks were already up by forty points. So, uh, yeah, shout shout out again to Bud for uh, really adding insult to injury there to his former team and uh, drawing this one out even further uh, to try to uh, you know try to add to us punking them in this one. I'll say, for lack of a better word, um, as uh, after three quarters, the Bucks led one hundred three to sixty three. Giannis with 25 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists to Trey Young's 15 points, 2 rebounds, 3 assists, and 9 turnovers. That's only 3 turnovers away from the playoff record. Uh, 12 turnovers, that record uh, set by uh, James Harden in 2015, I believe. Um, of course, a welcome sight was seeing a lot of the nasty as well as Jordan Wara, Elijah Bryant, Mumadi Diakite, Sam Merrill, and uh, Justin Jackson action in chronological order there mentioned. Um, yeah, always fun. Always fun to get those guys a little experience in a blowout, and uh, hope hopefully, you know, of course this doesn't quite feel like a playoff game, but uh, still, um, for these young inexperienced guys, it's it's a it's a just a, a, a great memento to add to. Um, to their uh, early NBA resume. I'll share some other stats uh, out there for you listeners. Um, the Bucks' largest lead uh, was 41 points. Um, the three-point battle was uh, was not quite um, wasn't quite as distant as you would think. The Bucks led it, of course, shooting 15 of uh, 42 from the three-point line. You know, not much better than uh, than making uh, a third of their three-point attempts. Uh, however, the Hawks did shoot a uh, disappointing um, 25% on 36 uh, three-point attempts. Um, what I was more curious about um, were the uh, was the uh, point in the paint battle. Um, points off turnovers. I know at one point in the second quarter already, the Bucks had like a 20 to 7 point advantage. Um, I should also mention that in the second quarter, there was, uh, along with that 26 to 8 Bucks run uh, over seven, seven minutes in the second quarter. Uh, in a shorter span, uh, the Bucks also had a 20 to 0 run in the second quarter. So that that's also. Uh, something worth mentioning. Um, in game one, Trey Young drew nine fouls, but in this one, he only drew one, um, which is the fewest uh, fouls Trey has drawn in any game this season, considering regular season and postseason. Now, of course, that one that he drew, I believe it was one where he he pulled up. Um, well, 
he he at least uh, stopped dead in his tracks after coming off of a screen, um, as if he were to go up for a shot, but um, did not seem to be the most natural of plays. I can't say I again. I don't have a photographic memory. I can't say I picture it all um, super well, but believe an ESPN article noted that th- that this was the type of of uh, drawn foul that the league will be looking at moving forward and that is that is unnatural uh, drawn fouls of course Trey is most famous for um, for coming off of a pick and roll and, and shooting himself uh, in reverse to to launch into the into the into the defender and draw a foul but he, he he's also known to to shoot himself left or right also in, into a defender and draw a foul. So um, I guess I don't need to, to dra- drag Trey anymore because I have, I have a feeling the moxie he has, he'll, he'll come out guns blazing again in another game moving forward. But I think, I think it's good in general that, that the NBA's. um Doing doing their best to refor- to reward offensive players less, especially when their uh, when their intent is is less so to score honestly and more so uh, just to get to the line. Um, but yeah, um, perhaps this is the point where I should warn Bucks fans to. Um, to try to remain humble, as I mentioned, we were on we were on the receiving end of of this barrage from the Nets in the last uh, in the in game two of the last series, and in fact, in that one, um, I believe we lost by thirty nine, with uh, the largest deficit being uh, forty nine or you know somewhere in that realm. We lost even worse to the Nets in the conference semifinals um, than the Hawks just lost to us uh, Friday night. So, and, and and look at the result of that series. So I would say that this one's far from over. It's back to a 0-0 series, and now the Hawks uh, still have a home court advantage as a way to look at it. So we certainly have a long way to go, but I'm not, you know, as much as I want to keep my Bucks fans humble, uh, feel free to bask in the glory here, and uh, yeah, keep that upbeat, positive attitude going going into these games, uh, especially for my fans uh, who will be lucky enough to attend Game Five. I know a friend of the pod, Alan Witkowski, um, who many listeners may know for his famous, uh, extraordinary. Uh, uh, game day posters. You may have noticed my official game day announcements on social. Um, those that's uh, Alan's work. Alan is a friend of mine whom I know will have the, will uh, have the luxury of going to game five. Uh, maybe I'll be able to score tickets to one of these as well. Um, but um, Also wanted to share that my sources very close to me tell me that um, another friend and former guest of the show, Bradley Kaler, um, 
longtime season ticket holder at the Bradley Center and now Pfizer Forum is responsible for the first Bobby, 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 Bobby chant. And, uh, you know, I found myself getting a little choked up there, and that's before even picturing the sight of um, my brother from another mother, uh, Bradley Kaler. Don't tell Brad I made that comparison, but, um, you know, I, I feel like I've never been more happy to be more wrong about a player. Um, of course, it helps that the Bucks are benefiting from it, but, um, you know, for years early on in Bobby's career, he had carry carry around the negative reputation that, um, that came along with his altercation that he had with, uh, with Nikola Mirotic when he was on the Bulls. And he's always been known as a very intense guy. Um, you know, he always appears, um, very focused <laughs> on the game out there. Um, and of course, not to make too light of this, but, uh, you know, many analysts would note, um, that um, for for Bobby to stay motivated, um, rise and grind, stay locked in, as he as he's known to tweet on on Twitter. Um, he said in college and growing up, he would he would um, re envision the sight of seeing his mom um, being hit by. Um, by a man. I don't know if it's a father or a boyfriend. Um, but yeah, Bobby said that he used to picture when he would see his mother being abused, um, to get himself fired up in a game. Um, which is just a super unfortunate circumstance. And I don't know if this was the place to bring it up, but I say all of this to say that it's, awesome to see a guy like Bobby being so appreciated by a fan base. Um, it feels like, like, uh, his Bucks experience has done wonders for his career. Um, he shared on Twitter that he had an opportunity to play, um, to play for other teams for more money. Um, you know, as he's had stints as well with the Knicks and the Wizards, um, you know, other Eastern conference teams with less success, probably had an opportunity to play in places like that, but he wanted to sacrifice, um, a contract, um, to play for, to play for a contender in the Bucks. I'm happy it's paying off for him and I'm hoping it, hoping that it'll lead to, um, you know, more, more lucrative opportunities like the ones that he had gotten, um, this past, uh, off season, but hopefully he sticks around with the Bucks. Um, and, uh, yeah. Back to my main point, it uh, had me a little choked up there, uh, Bobby quote tweeting um, the Bobby chants from uh, Friday night saying, coming coming from where I come from, this gives, that, this gives him chills, um, saying, wow, this is very humbling and thank you Bucks fans, but thank you Bobby um, for, uh, for bringing the energy that you do. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's played no, uh, small role in getting the bucks, um, uh, to where we have. And, uh, 
I, I believe it was the Athletic NBA show is even suggesting that Bobby Portis may not have a role in this series, especially at, at the center spot, which given given the Hawks' depth similar to the Nets, um, you know, it, it would it would have been rough if we would have had to re, had to uh, release someone else from our rotation. But but Bobby certainly stepped up stepped up in this one, proved them wrong, and played plenty of minutes. Uh, at the center spot and and out and outplayed guys like John Collins and Clint Capella. Uh, so shout out Bobby and shout out uh, shout out a uh, friend of the pod, former guest uh, Bradley Kaler, not Cooper, for uh, for uh, starting those well deserved uh, Bobby chants. It's nice seeing uh, seeing those continue as well into the fourth quarter and Bucks fans wanting, wanting to see our guy get out there, but. You know, just like the rest of our rotation guys, uh, they need they need to stay, they need to see stay uh, rested up. So as Bobby would tweet, they can uh, rise and grind and stay locked in as we got a long series ahead of us. Um, quickly add this to on a slightly less positive note. I heard rumors, though I hadn't heard this, that there were some Tony Snell sucks chants in Pfizer forum, and uh, obviously that's. Um, pretty uh inexcusable um you know to contrast the last point um about bobby um tony snell is another guy that uh was very well received uh in milwaukee of course he, he earned a contract that um we that we maybe slightly regretted um after the fact um but he got that for a reason and uh of course, famously had this 50-50-100 uh, season as well. Um, and I even saw on Twitter that he got to meet up with uh, with um, notable Bucks Twitter member Snell Seasons for the first time too. So uh, Tony Snell, Snelly Cat's obviously a man of the culture and doesn't, doesn't deserve any of the slander out there. But I'll just say I'm encouraged um, that basically um, – you know, there's always there's always going to be uh, jerks and blowhards out there that are going to try 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 and ruin the mood for everyone out there, similar to those guys at first take. But, um, but I'm just happy that uh, most most of the reasonable Bucks fans that I like to associate with uh, had had kind of the same same like minded opinion out there compared to myself, and that's uh, that's. Uh, that uh, if if you're gonna have those words, you ought to keep Tony Snell's uh, words out of your mouth. And uh, and yeah, Tony, we got your back here. Okay, we'll 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 run up on a son son of a gun if they if they have any more slander for you. Um, you know, before I get to uh, one last note uh, off of the basketball court here, I'd like to share a word from our rec- from our returning sponsors in Thrive Fantasy. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in a respective sport. For example, if you're a little obsessive about one sport similar to myself in the NBA, but admittedly kind of casual about another, like the NFL, though I appreciate it, I'm certainly casual, always the annoying guy asking questions uh, about a about, um, call from the refs, or, or a certain substitution, what have you, um, you know, if, you know, even if you consider yourself casual, I believe you should be able to choose five out of 10 player props to build, to build your lineup with Thrive Fantasy. Each prop, uh, with Thrive Fantasy has a, um, 
point total associated with the over-under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection's worth, the riskier it is. Um, naturally, uh, you'll want to rack up the most points to win a share of the player prize pool. Thrive's awarded over $2.2 million in prizes since launching in 2018, and um, that includes $50,000 for um, just one late regular season NFL week alone and thousands more since the beginning of the NBA. Um, to take advantage of this, you'll want to use promo code Giannis, that's G-I-A-N-N-I-S. When you sign up today, you'll receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store, or you can visit their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. All right, and I just wanted to um, share some last... Uh, yeah, some last NBA news around the horn here, and that's, um, you know, we had talked about the possibility of Rick Carlisle um, joining the Bucks. Uh, he was linked there multiple times, um, including including before um, his departure from the Dallas Mavericks. Um, you know, given the fact that uh, we're kind of we're kind of in another situation here. Similar to the Nets, once they went down, where um, re- really the Bucks um, ought to succeed in this series um, as long as as long as they execute um, and meet the potential that they have with with a uh, in the case of the Nets series a more healthy roster, or in the case of the this Hawks series a uh, talent advantage. Um, they, they ought to they ought to come out and. And when the series were clearly, were clearly the favorites, um, might not be the same cakewalk that some uh, casual fans may think. Um, but still, we ought to come out of this series and make and make an NBA Finals appearance. And if we don't, um, the seat for Bud is will be very hot to say the least. And with Carlisle's questionable departure, I know Bucks fans were holding out hope that if the season doesn't doesn't end the way we want it to, silver lining is that we can hopefully get Rick Carlisle in here. And surprisingly enough, he ended up uh, joining uh, a team in which he was a former assistant with, and that's the Indiana Pacers. Um, yeah, I guess it's a fun, cute story that he started out with the Pacers, but, you know... It's called a coaching carousel for a reason, and a lot of these and a lot of these uh, notable uh, head coaches had had ba- had bounced around uh, at many destinations before um, before their final spot. So, yeah. Besides the touching point that Rick had ma- had maybe started his NBA career, I don't know if he was maybe somewhere even before before he was an assistant with the Pacers. Um, Quite puzzling, considering that uh, ever so recently there were still uh, coaching vacancies with uh, the Celtics, Pelicans, and Trailblazers. Each of those three, I believe, would have been a better landing spot for Carlisle, as he would have had his choice choice of the litter, um, given his prowess. But instead, he chose the Pacers instead of any of those three, or maybe waiting it out for the Bucks to. Hopefully not have a disappointing end of their postseason again. Um, so, you know, here's to the Bucks going to the finals and Bud maybe actually saving his job. Um, 
Otherwise, it might be tough to fill even his shoes. And uh, speaking of possibly disappointing coaches, we also have Jason Kidd uh, going to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, yeah, as I'd mentioned, uh, pretty odd situation in Dallas considering um, the lack of turnover that they've had the past decade and uh, championship uh, within the past 10 years as well. But yeah, really, uh, really interesting shakeup there in Dallas. And uh, they still have Luca, which is cool. You can't feel too bad for them. Um, with a talent like that, and that's the most important piece to it all. But um, yeah, pretty tough. Pretty tough there, moving from Carlisle to Jason Kidd, uh, and I think Bucks fans uh can understand that just as much as anyone else. Um, but I think once we get the Jason Kidd talk again, I think it's time to shove off here. So stay tuned, Bucks fans. Uh, it'll it'll be a fun series, but. Hopefully this series won't be the last. And with that, I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Knuck a Few Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.